you can tell what a person is about to get into by the way, one of the ways, by the way they're dressed. I'll give you an example. Sometimes when I walk, out, walk around my house, my wife looks at me, she would say this, where are you going? And I would say, why? She said, because you're dressed like you look like you want to go someplace, right? And, uh, and you can tell what a person's about to do. If a person's standing on the corner of a street with a hat, a badge, a gun on the side, dressed in a certain uniform, you would assume that he's a police officer and he's working in the police department. Amen. You can tell what a doctor looks like when you walk in. You walk into a hospital, there's many people that are in a hospital, but you could immediately point out the doctor because they wear a certain attire. Amen. And this is true for for just about every profession you can kind of tell. When people put a certain clothing on, you can tell, okay, they are headed for something. Today, what I want to talk to you about, the title of my sermon is simply this, I'm dressed for war. I'm dressed for war. Amen. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we bless your name and we give you praise for who you are in this house. And I just ask that your divine Holy Spirit would move among us, touch the heart of every believer in this room. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that before we leave this place, we would not just be informed, but transformed. For there's nothing worse than having information that leads to no transformation. And the truth is, we can only have a transformation if your Holy Spirit works that word in our life. So God, we ask that this word would find good ground, that it would bring forth fruit, Lord, help this word to be true ministry to the hearts and the lives of every believer in this room. I ask this in the mighty, most precious name of your son, Jesus. And I give you praise for who you are in this house. Have your way, God. Have your way in the lives of your people. You know what they need. You know where, what, where they are mentally. You know what their struggles are. You know who's sick in body. You know who's watching online. You know who's on the verge of quitting. And so I ask that you would speak like only you can in this house. So many people, but one God who is able to give an answer to every situation in this room. Take full control, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Somebody say, Amen. amen. Come on, shout, Amen. amen. Hallelujah. My first point to you today is that you have an enemy. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. Tell your neighbor, you have an enemy. Now, if you are a wife, don't say that too aggressively. Amen. <laughs> but you have an enemy. You have an enemy. And the Bible starts off with God in Genesis and created the world, created the universe, and before you get to a couple chapters down, an enemy shows up and deceives mankind and viciously does it because this is God's creation. The Bible says, behold, that everything God created, he looked and he saw that it was God doesn't make anything bad. So if something went bad, it wasn't God. 
And so the Lord said that he made everything and behold, everything that he looked at, it was good. But then the serpent was more subtle and cunning and crafty than any other wild animal. And he deceived man and caused men to be separated from God. From day one, his job was to try to get you and I to be separated from God. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. You have an enemy who don't care about you, who would love to see you in tears. When you are in depression and you're crying, the enemy rejoices. You have an enemy who has no mercy. The deeper you sink in sin is the happier he becomes. Because his whole mission is to steal, kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. And the enemy would love for your marriage to be ruined. The enemy would love for you to give up on your ministry. Ah, y'all ain't hearing me today. If you ever want to know, is there anybody happy about the fights you have in your marriage? There is one person, and that's your enemy. There's an enemy who loves to see the culture get sinking deeper and deeper into darkness. There's an enemy that loves to see women uh, degrade themselves and young men sink into more and more and more of, of depravity. There's an enemy that would love nothing more than to see you in ruins. You have an enemy. But here's my second point. You have a captain to fight for. You're in a battle. You're in a battle, but you got a captain to fight for. There's nothing more horrible or worse to me than a war that has no purpose. And oftentimes believers are in a war and they don't even know what they're fighting for. Sometimes we, get, sometimes we get so enamored at fighting the enemy that we forget who we're fighting for. That sometimes you talk about beating up the enemy, the church rejoices more than when you talk about praising the God you're fighting for. You ever notice that in church? When you say, come on, lift your hands and worship God, it's almost like halfway. But when you say, I bind the devil, yes, Lord. But how many know you can't beat the devil without bringing God into the picture? Hallelujah. And we got a captain we fighting for, and his name is... Come on, y'all don't act like y'all know him today. His name is Jesus. Which brings me to the scripture I want to take you through today. The Apostle Paul is writing in the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to take my time today. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul is writing in the book of Ephesians. I love the Apostle Paul. A lot of people don't like Brother Paul. Because a lot of the ambiguity in the Bible that we can kind of take and create whatever we want, Apostle Paul comes along and says, no, don't, don't, don't mess it up. This is what it means. And he lays the law down. Like if you, if you wanted to know what God thought about certain things, Paul lays it down on the line. A lot of people don't like Paul because Paul is the one that comes along and tells you that Jesus is not just a man. He's deity. He is God. So a lot of people have a problem with Apostle Paul, and he writes all these letters in the Bible. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul always considered himself the least among the brethren. And what he meant by that was, when you think about the other people that ran with Jesus, the Peter, the John, Paul looked at his life and said, I used to kill you people. I used to murder you people. The first religious terrorist that ever was, was a 
Apostle Paul. He killed in the name of religion. He mass murdered in the name of religion. And God chose a murderer to write two thirds of the New Testament that would lay down the foundation of what the church is supposed to be like. Don't tell me God can't use anybody. Hallelujah. And so Paul writes all these wonderful letters and then he gets down to the book of Ephesians, which is like we would say one of the most doctrinally solid book that many people still try to unpack. Amen. And if I were to walk through it in in chapter one, Paul just kind of talks about he's talking to the church and he says to them that stop considering yourself uh, 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 lower than that. That in Christ you have a very big bank account. Come on, you 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 you're not in poverty. You you know if all you got is cash, you're really poor. Hallelujah! Because because money cannot fix depression. Money cannot bring joy. It can mask joy. Hallelujah. It can, it can temporarily give you a hype because of the purchase. But when the purchase wears off, the depression is still there. The emptiness is still there. There is a power that only comes from knowing Jesus. And that's why the Bible says, blessed is the man who is poor in spirit. What does that mean? That he realizes inside himself there is a, a bankruptcy in him that can only be filled by spiritual means and Paul begins to write and pen in Ephesians in chapter 1 and talk about the the riches you have in Christ that you are people that before the foundation of the world God had Jesus in store to bring salvation that you're not an accident that your salvation was bought before man was ever created hallelujah and he talks about that you are saved by grace Not by your works. It is nothing you could do to earn it. That God already went. Hallelujah. He said that you are sons. You're brought in by adoption. That God loves you today. Today you're not not somebody that is not loved. You have a father. You have a God who went the distance to make sure you would be his child. You know, everybody always think they're God's children. Aren't we all God's children? No, no, no. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says to them that believe, to them he gave power to become. Hallelujah, hallelujah, to become the sons of God. And he writes that in Ephesians. Then when you get to chapter 2, he's writing now and he begins to talk to the Gentiles. And he says to them, to the Gentile people, he begins to just tell them that don't live as you once were. That God opened up a door because before that was law and only Jews had the access to God through their traditions and religion. But God through Jesus wanted to redeem all mankind and open the door and he said you are now grafted in, brought in. You are part of the kingdom. Don't live as you once were. And I want to say to the church of Jesus today if God saved you from something don't go back to it. Hallelujah. Then in chapter 3, he tells the Gentiles his wonderful plan that God has for them. And then he talks to them about uh, 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 how God has chosen him to be this marvelous apostle with this great job to bring them in. 
And then he jumps uh, uh, to chapter 4 and he talks about the unity and the maturity of the body of Christ. And then he talks about the fact that God gave the church gifts, pastors and preachers and teachers for the equipping of the saints. And Apostle Paul is telling the church that you're not just uh, uh, rogue people, but there's structure and order and giftings in the church that, that God has left. So every time, hallelujah, uh, 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 you think about what you want to do with your life and you think about I want to be a doctor lawyer this career that career don't you ever rule out the possibility that God might be calling you to be a pastor a missionary a preacher a teacher an evangelist I grew up in the era where people esteemed wanting to be those things we live in the era where people don't want nothing to do with church just I'll go but that's it but I want you to know that God has giftings that he wants to give to the body of Christ and I want you to know that they're needed for the equipping of the brethren and then he gets to chapter 5 hallelujah he he talks about you know the, 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 this Ephesians is filled with wonderful scriptures now on to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think all of these are scriptures that he has in there he gets to chapter 5 and he begins to just uh, uh, give instructions for the household and how the, the church should live and he talks about wives submit yourselves to your husbands And I hear preachers backpedal on that nowadays. Preachers, whenever they say that scripture, got to go into a whole sermon just for that part. I, don't, I, ain't, going, I ain't got nothing to explain. I'm going to tell you like the word said it. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Well, what does that mean, pastor? Why don't you grab Ephesians and begin to read it? And he says, husbands. Love your wives. I wish he had stopped there. I wish he had told the women to do this and tell me to submit to my wife. I'll be all right. It's on you. And any dumb stuff I do, you got to love me like Christ. When has Christ ever not forgiven? When has Christ ever told your business? And when has Christ ever divorced? When has the body ever cheated? All the time. And yet his blood covers. So when God tells a man to love his wife, I wish he had stopped there, but he went on to say like Christ loved the church. And I must admit that I cannot in my own strength ever love the way Jesus love. I argue with Sister Sherry every day. <laughs> Twice on Wednesdays. Four times on Thursdays. Saturdays is a disaster. And then we come to church and repent on Sunday. Am I the only one? He talks about the family unit and then he gets to chapter 6. And I want to jump down to verse number 10. Y'all with me today? And he finishes this letter in light of all that he talked about. And he said, finally, be strong. 
strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, somebody. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Here's the point I want to make to you. Be strong in the Lord's causes. Be strong for his sake and be strong in his strength. When the Bible tells you there to be strong, it's not telling you something that you have to do and pull from your own strength. It is telling you if it wanted to do that, it would have simply said, be strong. But he doesn't stop there. He tells you where the source of the strength is. Be strong in the Lord. Amen. The believers, we draw strength from the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are weak, he is strong. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says this. Put on the full armor of God. Notice he didn't say, put on the armor of men. Notice this is not, oftentimes you read this a million times, but it probably never occurred to you that this armor is not yours. This armor is God's and he says, I'm giving it to you, put it on. Put on the armor of, put on the armor of God. The armor of God and not of men. It is a prepared armor, but we must put it on. Here's another point. An armor with no that is no, without an armor without is no good if the soldier is not strong within. I want you to think about that. So two verses you got. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The soldier first. Must not be a coward. Must not be a punk. You know, a lot of times we put people in a position that are not meant to be in a position. Too many people want to be a husband and then you ain't ready to be a husband. Too many people want to be a wife. Hey, I'm wifey. Stop all, that. Stop all of that right now. Hallelujah. If you ain't ready to be a wife, hallelujah, stop, you know. And, and, and too many times people are in positions that they have no business being in yet because they haven't become that yet. And a lot of times we want to be soldiers, but soldiers better not be cowards because it don't matter how much artillery they give you. It doesn't matter how much equipment you're carrying. It doesn't matter how big the armor is. If the soldier's a punk, the weapon is no good. Come on, talk to me in this house. And so I'm trying to tell you that Christianity has been soft too long. Too many times we think that this is a religion for the, for, oh, just um, woe is me. Slap me on this cheek. I turn around and die. Come on, hallelujah. What are you saying, pastor? I'm not trying to raise up a fighting army today to go out and beat people up. But I'm trying to tell you that this walk is not for the faint of heart. That the Lord says, I'm looking for strong people. People who can really step into battle. Because I want you to know that soldiers don't run and get quiet in the roughest times of the battle. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying in this place. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 where the battle rages, the soldier must be steady. 
Oftentimes, the church of Jesus Christ, we allowed about everything else except where the actual battle is raging. What are you talking about? Just look at the culture today and what they're raging about and look at where the church is quiet. And when soldiers get quiet where the battle is raging, we're going to lose. And the reason soldiers don't want to step up to where the battle is raging is because they ain't strong. But I want you to know that we got to fight. We got to fight for marriages. We got to fight for families. We got to fight for our society. Don't let us ever sit back and say this world is so sinful. It is what it is. I can't wait for God to come and burn it up. Don't you know that you are the salt of the earth? And if the salt loses its flavor, its savor, what good it is then to be thrown out and be trampled on? Don't you know you are light in the world and that anything that light hits it illuminates but if you hide your light under a, a table what good is the light as long as believers are in the world we got a job to revolutionize the world for Jesus but soldiers often got no strength when the battle is raging when it get too rough at home men are ready to run and quit on their wife uh, your kid is born with a problem and the doctor told you, hey, this kid, you know, has been challenged. Oh, woe is me. Oh, blessed are you. God saw it fit that you would be the soldier to raise that child. Don't you know that when God gives you something, hallelujah, he believes that you can do it and that's why he's giving it to you? Don't you know that the things that fall in your lap, you don't say, why me? You, you, when you say, why me? You tell God that he's not fair. But I want you to know God is fair and he knows what he's doing even though you might not know. So if you want a job today and you are nervous and you think you're going to mess up and lose the job. Yeah, in your own strength. But I'm here to tell some soldiers, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. And he says, put on an armor, a prepared armor that God has for every believer in this room. And then he says this, put on the armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, listen to this point, y'all. And I want y'all to really capture this one. Amen. Don't ever mistake or confuse civilians for enemies. What are you talking about, pastor? In a war, civilians are innocent people. Soldiers are supposed to fight soldiers. Do you follow that? But oftentimes, civilians might end up in a place or make a mistake or do something or end up in an area which a soldier, if he's not careful, might kill a civilian by accident. Thinking that the civilian is an enemy. I'm not talking about civilians. I'm talking about the people in your life. Be careful that you don't treat the people and the people around you and look around at all that's happening. And you treat the people in your life as your true enemy. Thus killing people and not your true enemy. 
Your wife is not your enemy. Somebody got mad when I said that. Your husband's not your enemy. The person on the job coming at you is not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. The things happening in your life are not your enemy. That person in the church you don't like is not your enemy. And oftentimes we mistake people in our lives who have because they have maybe came in a wrong area or did a wrong move, we ready to bomb them. Oh, come on. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You, how, come, we got the spirit to cut people off today. Every New Year's Eve. It never fails. And we're getting ready to end the year. You're going to see all of the people on social media. This year, I'm cutting off everybody. <laughs> the people who ain't the haters and the, the whoever, we ready to cut Eh, come on, y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this house. Y'all ready, y'all, and, 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 and in that bunch, y'all cutting off your mother? Because your mother did you wrong this year? You ain't like how she acted at the, at the Thanksgiving over the holidays, and the gift wasn't right, and the way she treated your children wasn't the same as she treated your brother's children, and you ready to cut mom off. Mom getting a, 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 a bomb, a grenade. Y'all ready to go home and get divorced. Why? Because of the way you spoke to me at that party. You actually disagreed with me in front of everybody. Well, I didn't agree. But you don't disagree with me. But you was about to make us drink poison. Well, you don't disagree with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And because somebody is in an area or did something, if you're not careful, the human nature is to bomb and kill civilians and treat civilians as enemies. But I want you to know today that if you're not wise enough as to who your true enemy is, you will end up being the one hurt. Because once you cut everybody off, loneliness steps in, bitterness steps in, and then you start to vent. And, and when you start to vent and everything that is inside, you start to come out. You start to see what is in the, the nature of this person. Hurt people, they bleed. Sometimes you can just tell people are bleeding by the way they speak. First five minutes of the conversation, they always take you to the wound. There's people I know who are still talking about a wound that happened 10 years ago. And then they got the nerve to say this. But you never been through what I've been through. I didn't. But at some point you got to say let's move on. You say well pastor. No. And, and let me just say this. Nowadays therapy. I was telling Sister Sherry this. Nowadays. When something is dead what do we do with it? We bury it. In therapy they say don't bury anything. Bring up the feelings and talk about it. I'm not against that. They say, you got to face it. And then they tell you, come into the office. We sit and we talk and then we bring up the feelings and you start to cry. Then you come out. I didn't know I, w I was carrying all of this. Then what? After you've I've never heard anybody in therapy. After that, what do you do? What do you do? At some point, 
You, it hurts. It pains. And if I dig it up, it's going to hurt. But you got to give it to God, leave it there, and move on like a soldier. Everybody going to say nothing to me because we like that. We like, let's, let, I'm, I'm, I am my trauma. You are not your trauma. You are blessed in Christ Jesus. Don't you let this psychology, I'm, I don't care what nobody got to say. You are the child of God. Speak the words of God over your life. I am not my pain. I am not my hurt. I am not when my, my, my parents did this. I am not who walked out on me. I am not a failure. I am not a loser. I am not a nobody. Tears, tears. Tears in your eyes, still feeling the pain of what they did. I am not what you said. I am not. You, you get the soldier. That's one of the things I love about military people, man. I love military people. You know, that concept of no man ever gets left behind. Them dudes, you, they try to portray it in the movies, but I believe even the best of Hollywood could never ever bring it to life what it's like to have a brother next to you, legs blown off, next one dead, but this one's still breathing, and you shouldering him, pain and all, and just carrying on. God says when it comes to living for him, he's looking for soldiers to be strong with an armor because you have an enemy watch this y'all who schemes civilians don't scheme they make mistakes they act out of their character but they don't scheme people who scheme And here's what the Bible says about the devil that you don't know. Scheme simply means plans with a negative connotation. So when he is planning, he's not planning for your good. You don't think the enemy wants to ruin. You don't think the enemy wants to. He sit back with a plan to ruin your life. And, the, and, and God says, put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the devil's scheme. And then verse 12 says, for we struggle. Our struggle is not against. Didn't I just tell you that? But then he tells you who your true enemy is. He said, but against rulers, against authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Rulers, authorities, powers, all of this speaks of a kingdom that is well established. There's a whole kingdom established for the purpose of fighting the saints. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we live in the era, Christianity has errors. And it seems like we are in the deliverance ministry era. I didn't lost the church. It was the word of faith era. It was the name it, claim it era. It was the laughing era. Y'all remember the laughing era was a trip. Amen. Catch used to be laughing in church. One time a man prayed for me, looked at my belly and just laughed at it. I was like, what kind of crazy is happening right here? I started laughing with him. Amen. No, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. Amen. But the church has errors. Now, I'm not against having a word of faith. I'm against 
balance. I'm not against having joy. I'm against not having balance. I'm not against deliverance. I'm against not having balance because the deliverance ministry has gone so far that it's taught the people of God that you having the spirit of God can have demons dwelling in there with the spirit of God. Can I tell you something about the spirit of God? There was a story in the Bible where they took the ark of God and stole it and, 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 and decided that they were going to bring it and put it in a temple next to a God named Dagon. Dagon is the mermaid god. Hallelujah. He, he's the half man, half fish god. Sometimes you watch these shows and you, you don't even know where the concept of the half man, half fish come from. But that's another conversation. That'll mess some people off. And they'll, you know, mess their cartoons up. But, um, but uh, 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 Dagon, the, 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 the fish god, was there. And the Bible says they done took God's presence and put it next to him. The, 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 the day they came back in, Dagon was bowed before uh, uh, the presence of God, the Bible says. And then they, they had the nerve to pick it up and, and put it back up to stand up. And they came back and the Bible says that, that Dagon was smashed to pieces the next day in front of the presence it just seemed like in the middle of the night god just did one of these to, uh, don't, don't, let me not get god just just let there is no other god that can ever be in the same space i occupy when god arises let every enemy of god be scattered so when the lord jesus has saved you and he put his spirit inside of you every devil in hell that felt comfortable in your body has got to go in the name of Jesus what you're struggling with is not demons it's works of the flesh anger is not a demon it's a work of the flesh lust is a work of the flesh but if you understand spiritual warfare demons they scheme and plot you know like algorithms imagine algorithms sit and study your patterns that they know exactly what you like they know exactly where you shop at they know what you're gonna buy you made plans this weekend i'm not gonna spend my money but the algorithm on your phone has you mapped out and they put the same exact store you know you like to shop at to pop up first thing on payday algorithms are so good they already know when you get paid because they have access to your phone they search through your phone they get access to other apps they see when the bank account is hitting they see when you, which app you checking on often on which day they study your patterns they know which websites you like to go to they know which instagram posts you scroll slowly at they know come on come on hallelujah hallelujah they know which ones you turn away and go look at in a corner with hallelujah hallelujah they know everything about you they got you mapped out if an algorithm an ai could do that you think the devil don't know what your proclivities are you think the devil don't know what you like that you think the devil don't know what you like you think the devil don't know what you like Why y'all laughing? I just said you think he knows what you like. He knows if you like eating and if you are overeater. He knows to put the restaurants up. He knows if you like pornography. He knows, okay, you trying to stay away. He'll put somebody just 
hey, bless God in front of you, hallelujah, on. Because nowadays, people don't got no shame. The, the fastest way to get views is to show your body. And so all these young girls living for views and got all of the, the society struggling with pornography. And pornography is destroying minds and destroying lives. You think the devil don't know what you like? You think the devil don't know you like money? You think the devil don't know you like money? You don't think the devil don't know you like to make it rain? Come on. Hallelujah. And so one up. You told God back in the days, God, give me one opportunity. Bless me. All I want is to be able to take my family. And he gave you an opportunity. You were able to take care of your family. But it's not enough. And the devil knows. Well, here's another opportunity and another one and another one. All you got to do is this. You got to start missing church. You got to stop stop being with your family. You got to start missing Bible study. You got to stop, stop, stop. Before, before long, you out here getting money. But you ain't getting God no more. And the devil know that. You think the devil don't know? You think the devil don't know your struggles? You think the devil don't know that doctor report and will whisper, God failed you. He failed you. Look, where's your God now? I'll never forget the day the devil tried to whisper that in my ears. And that's why I wrote a song called No Mistakes. Because the God that I serve, when he's in charge of your life from beginning to the end, he's Alpha and Omega. I was, in a, I was thinking about this this morning as I was thinking about my daughter, hallelujah. And when she came to the hospital, when Shai was born and he had his arm, his left hand uh, sealed together, I was just thinking, how am I going to explain this to my other children that their brother is born with a, with a hand that is different from theirs? And I started getting mad at God. I served you all these years. I did all this for you. I did all this for you. And this, that, that, that. And I'm going through the list of all I did for him. Why would you allow this? And woe is me. And God just said, you, you better stop that. If I've allowed it, I will provide for it. And I've got a purpose for it. You got to trust me in the good times and the bad times. And I'll give you strength on how to raise that boy. Hallelujah. And can I tell you that no matter what's coming your way to God, you serve. Hallelujah. He loves you. But the enemy knows. The enemy knows. The enemy knows that your wife and you ain't getting along at home and she might not be paying attention. And every night you just wish she would get off the phone and start paying attention to you. So he knows when you go to the coffee machine to... To let Jenny come and just rub your hands by accident. <laughs> Jenny make you feel young again. <laughs> now you ain't even want to buy your wife a nice dress. Now you spending money on Jenny. But you can't spend your house money. So you put, you taking out credit cards that your wife don't know about and you maxing out the credit cards and Jenny living lavishly, taking trips all over the world because Jenny made me feel young again. You better feel old with your old self and go back home to your wife. Where was Jenny when them kids was born? Where was Jenny for nine months carrying them children? Where was Jenny when, 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 when she had to take care of them children? Where was Jenny then? With a young self, with a TikToking self. Where was Jenny then? I hear what I'm saying in this house. The enemy knows. And the enemy want to ruin lives. 
That's why the Bible is saying here, stay in God. And then he says this, put on the armor. Put on the armor of God so that when the evil day comes, that word, that when it says evil day, what it's meaning there is that the days of temptation, the days that are the most difficult in your life, and they will come, you need an armor because you are in a battle. Look at what he says. He says, Therefore, put on the armor of God that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. And look at this. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, you got to understand that theologians believe Paul was writing this from a Roman jail. So most likely, he probably had in mind the armor of the soldiers that he saw in Rome. And the thing about the Roman armory is that the whole armor is held together by the belt. Everything hinges on that belt. You lose the belt, the armor is gone. And it's no accident that the Bible is telling you the first thing in your armor must be truth. Because, here's a point y'all, if truth is lost, the battle is lost. If you don't have what God is truly saying on the subject, we will lose. Be honest. Be truthful to yourself. Be truthful in the word of God. Be truthful about what's happening in society. Don't be a person that has unjust scales. It's amazing to me to see how people can call out something in one person, but the other person that they like that does the same thing, they don't see it. It's amazing to me how we can see things that other people do that we do. And when we do it, we had a reason why it was okay. You ever notice how when you do people dirt, you, you ain't really meant it. I ain't really. What happened was. Come on. We all got a what happened was in us. You know, when you argue with your wife and she's telling you, you did dirt wrong. And you like, what are that? But see, you don't understand. You see, that's what they talk about in communication. You have to listen. <laughs> you did wrong. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. If truth is lost, and what is truth? If truth is lost, the armor falls apart. Look at this. He says, you got a belt of truth, right? He says, put on a belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So on the chest, you got covered righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God, living in the righteousness of God. Amen. He says, not only that, but, but uh, have your feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shoes, hallelujah, for the soldiers used to have things in them that would cause them to be able to stand in firm footing and the gospel of peace keeps a man no matter what comes his way as long as he's got peace you ain't rocking the boat 
He says, the gospel of peace. He says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield, the shield was dipped in water. And when the enemy shot arrows that had flames, it would distinguish them. And Paul is saying what the shield was to the soldier, faith is to you. No matter what anybody says to you, you have to make sure you know know what you believe too many people waver in what they believe so anybody when you get a five percent of talking to you you turn a five percent on monday you get a hebrew israelite on tuesday you turn hebrew you get a, 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 a islamic brother on wednesday you muslim on wednesday by thursday it take it take a, 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 a phone call from a christian again on saturday to make you decide i'm gonna go to church you can't be everything you gotta decide it's jesus who he is or not because you ain't stopping no darts when the enemy whispers things in your ears if you don't know what you believe those things will shatter you I'm talking to you hallelujah and he says take up the shield which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one and then take on the helmet of salvation the helmet covers the most important part of the soldier his head and he's got to know that his 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 deliverance is not in him but in God that he's not fighting in his own strength but he's saved not by works but by God the God who begun it is able and he's got that on his head hallelujah Hallelujah. And then he says, now I want y'all to notice, y'all, because when I was reading this, you know, years ago when I read this, I said, all of these things that God is talking about, they're all defensive. The feet covers your feet. The shield covers your body. The breastplate covers you. The belt holds on. The helmet, everything. I say, well, God, what's up? And then God gives you one final thing. That ain't for defense. It's for offense. And look at what he says. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take up the what? The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. After you done gird it up and all of that, God don't want to send you into no battle just to be blocking like you Neo from the Matrix ducking bullets. After a while, we got to start slaying some giants. And how do you slay giants? See, you got to understand in those days, those daggers from the Romans, they were small daggers. And when people would fight against the Roman armies and penetrate and fight them, the, 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 the soldiers would take the dagger and, and you talking too much. And, and begin to just do what they got to do to bring destruction to whoever has come up against them. I want you to know that in times when the enemy's coming in like a flood, God has not left you powerless. God doesn't want you to sit there just blocking, blocking, blocking. After a while, you got to say in the name of Jesus and open up your mouth and begin to slay giants with the word of God. 
That's why I don't only tell people it's going to be all right. I give them a scripture of why it's going to be all right. Because he promises never to leave nor forsake. I could tell my son son, or my daughter when they sick in body, come let's pray. Why? Because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous availeth much. The Bible says if you pray in faith that God will answer. The Bible says if two or three touch and agree to anything, if it be according to his will, it will be done. The Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I get nervous, when I get around places, I remind myself when the enemy starts to make me nervous, I got a sword, hallelujah, of the spirit. I tell the devil, I'm not nervous. Great is he that is in me. When, when, when stuff goes wrong in my home, I tell the enemy what God has put together. Let no man put asunder. Not me, not her, not you, not any demon. So leave this building in the name of Jesus. When pain happens in my life and I want to sit there and wallow as though I have no hope, ah, the word of God comes back to me and says, weeping may endure for a night. Yeah, you're going to cry. Yeah, it hurts right now. But remember the God that called you. Joy is coming in the morning. You got the word of God to be able to fight the enemy. You got the word of God to be able to fight the enemy. And he says, which is the word of God? And finally, he says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I'm getting ready to close. When I read this, I said, that's crazy. You want me to put on the armor of God. All right. Let me, let me try to put God's armor on. Let me put on the buckle of truth. I'll strap it in and for one week strong, I'm, truth look like it's staying there. But if I were to be honest, there are times I believe the lie. I have said a lie. Not just in theology, but in my personal life. Sometimes I lie to myself. You see, truth can't just be truth of the Bible. Truth ain't truth until it... If truth just stays in the Bible, but it's not on you, you ain't got it on. And I have lied to myself. I have told myself the issues that I know God is trying to deal with, deal with me. I don't really have those issues. I have overlooked my sins. And then I realize I can't. I can't really wear this belt every day. Because there's days I lie. Then I, I said, all right, well, maybe I could try to bless the breastplate of righteousness. And then I begin to realize that. By Monday, I'm going to fail this one. Right living? Doing what's right? I was telling uh, Brother Rich the other night, one of the ways the enemy schemes at me is in my driving. <laughs> I was trained in New York to pull up to a stop sign and grill people. I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we pull up and we just like, I 
I don't know why. Spirit. I don't, I don't know what it is, but if you cut me off on a highway, there's a whole nother me that arises when you come close and I know how hard I work to pay the bill on this car and you just gonna disrespect. Oh, oh, I got to speed up and look at you with my eyes and hurt you. I gotta kill, I gotta hit you with the Superman laser beam eyes. Killing you right now, bro. And hope you don't stop, because if you stop, then they really get real, you know what I mean? And I ain't really got nothing in the trunk, but you might have. I fail in righteousness. Come on, we lie. We lie. You answer the phone, the bill collector says, hello, is this Mr. Ishmael? No, no, no. <laughs> Mr. Ishmael's got another number. You lie, you lie. Come on, you lie. <laughs> but, but, but why are you calling for Mr. Ishmael though? What is it that he's done? Well, if you're not Mr. Ishmael, we can't release information. Well, I, okay, all right, all right. Sorry, bye. <laughs> Come on, you lie. You want me to tell the lies you really lie about? Every man in here that's married lie. You ain't at the red light. You still in Jersey. Honey, where you at? I'm 10 minutes away. You're not 10 minutes away. You lie. You lie. Come on. Come on. Every lady in here that's married lie. Today. You ready to go to church? Hey, hon, you ready? It's time to leave. Yeah, I'm coming. No, you not. I'm going to sit an extra 10 minutes in that car. You lie. Y'all want me to go deeper with the lies? Y'all want me to go deeper with the lies? What's your Google history like? Are you bold enough to come and tell everybody? I could go deep and deep. We lie. When it come to righteousness, I said, I can't wear the belt. And I'm not worthy of the breastplate. I said, all right, maybe there's got to be one thing on there that's going to protect me. Because I'm the type of dude, I go to war with a Sheila alone. <laughs> I'm going to work it. I said, there's got to be something in here. He says, the readiness of the gospel of peace. I done lost, y'all. Peace? The title of my sermon is I'm dressed for war. I know war more than I know peace. In my mind, I don't seek peace first. Somebody do me wrong, I'm telling y'all my business. I don't care. You might be the most gracious person, not me. You know they say fool me once, fool me twice. According to George Bush, you just can't keep fooling people. He just didn't know the thing. He's like, you just can't keep fooling people. But I don't. Right, stop sitting there. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Fool me once, you dead. Why y'all clapping? What in the world is going on? No, the devil is a liar. 
Y'all be killing civilians like enemies. Peace? Brother Marcus, who's going to have his Kingdom Choice Awards happening this weekend? For 10 years, I ain't talked to that man, and I would have put a, 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 a God bless you through him. <laughs> Over this, I told somebody what the argument, I told Savannah, I told y'all, right? I said, I said, you know, me and Marcus, we ain't talked. And when I told him the reason why, you probably don't even remember. You don't, right? I remember. <laughs> I remember. It wasn't nothing he did, nothing. And when I told them, they looked at me, they said, for 10 years, y'all ain't talk? Nah, I just, I was, it was war. You disrespect me on this one. And I know Marcus is my twin when it come to the way we act. So I know he's on the other side, like, who he think he is? No, let me say it right. Who he think he is? One time, Rich, one time, one time. Hey, yo. There we go. There we go. He can't come to kingdom time like that. I don't know if he's Jamaican, American, from England or whatever. For 10 years. Any event was that, I don't care. And I'm sure he's feeling. So when it comes to the gospel of peace, I was barefoot. This armor is kind of hard to bear. That's why it's not called the armor of men. That's why somebody else got to make this armor. I, 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 I go on and I, I see, take up the shield of faith. There's days I be driving to church like, Lord, how am I going to preach to people and I'm struggling right now? You don't even know the morning I had this morning. My morning started with me having to lay hands on somebody. Not violently, literally praying for them to be healed. And begging God for miracles. One of our sisters right now is in a hospital with her father. You sit by and you're like, some days are a little harder than others. Some days you just don't want to raise holy hands. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. So when it come to the shield of faith, I don't even got that. If, forget it. When I get disappointed, especially when I hype myself up and God is going to do this for me and then he don't. I mean, God, you let me get up there and show you how to do this. <laughs> You're supposed to do this is how it's supposed to go. You know what? You ain't do it that way. I know somebody. Hey, yo, homie, we going to handle this. Another way. So when it come to faith, I don't even got a shield. When it come to save, sometimes I think it's me who saves me. In other words, I could go down every one of these. And when it come to the sword, I got a sword, but it don't be the word of the Lord. <laughs> and I said, God, how are you going to ask us to put on an armor? That I fail almost every day 
horribly at everyone that defeats the enemy. Hmm. And then the Lord began to show me something. The Lord said, I want you to look at my son. And I realized that when the Bible is telling you to put on the full armor of God, it's telling you to simply put on Jesus. Oh, you say, what are you talking about, pastor? I'm trying to tell you that when it comes to the belt of truth, he wasn't talking about your truth. Jesus said, I am the way. So when he talks about the belt of truth, he's talking about his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. When he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, Paul said it best. It is not your righteousness that any should boast. But when Christ died, he traded his righteousness. Now you are the righteousness of God. When it goes on and it talks about my feet shutted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Bible says one of his name is Prince of Peace. The Bible says hallelujah when it talks about hallelujah uh, 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 taking up the shield of faith. He is the author and the finisher. Nowhere in there was I. Come on, somebody. When it says take up the helmet of salvation. Oh, I'm not saved by anything I've ever done or ever will do. I'm saved because he went on a cross and he arose on the third day. And then finally, when it says grab the sword of the spirit, it didn't stop there. It says, which is the word of in the beginning was the and the word was with God and the word was God jump down to verse 14 and the word was made and his name is so when you feel like you ain't got enough courage all you got to do is look to the cross look to Jesus the alpha and the omega and begin to say in my strength I can't but put on Jesus, the way Jesus speaks, the way Jesus would think, and you back out of the situation and let the Holy Spirit move. Yes, yes. That's how you fight the devil. That's how you fight the devil. Hallelujah. Uh, what are you saying? Can I go a little further? But pastor, I still fail him. Yeah, but when you fail him, that's the point. You don't look at your failures. You look to Jesus. When the enemy comes in and said, look, you don't got faith. Say, you're right. I don't, but I never started it. He's the author and finisher. And he who began a good work is able to keep me. Look at you. You messed up today. You lied. You did this. You did that. You're right. But guess what? Still, he has forgiven me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ all of my sins have been washed away man when you keep looking at Jesus you got an armor that the enemy he can't pen he can't penetrate because no matter what he does he can't beat Jesus that's why the Bible says be strong in the Lord and the enemy would love you to put off Jesus to fight your battle to forget what God has spoken in your life, you start getting confused in your mind. 
you start getting desperate career ain't taking off you doing desperate things you getting angry and bitter and fr- things ain't happening the way you plan chill the God who is able will come through for you and take care of your situation I am dressed for battle to those that see me that are ready to be saved it's a beautiful outfit but when the enemy sees it he sees a soldier come on somebody bow your heads and close your eyes in this place